When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. This is Jay Scott. I'm your host. Welcome to 2020, our very first episode of the New Music Spotlight. From Nashville, Tennessee, we welcome our guest today, Mr. Tyler Baker from the band Goodbye June. How you doing today, Tyler? Hey, what's up, Jay? How you doing, man? Doing well. Absolutely excited about you doing the episode. Thanks for doing this. Uh, really do appreciate it. You guys have been on my radar for a while. One of the reasons why is because of my teenage son who likes rock music like his old man does. And he goes, hey, Dad, you got to check out this band Goodbye June. And I did, and I was blown away. I was really, really excited about you guys and love the new record community in. Oh, dude, thanks, man. Well, it's that's, that's that's cool that your son shared that with you. felt the felt the uh, felt inspired to share that with you. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've mentioned this before on previous episodes. It's a really kind of unique and cool relationship I have with my son. He's about to turn fifteen, and I got him into music. His first rock concert I took him to when he was five was Butch Walker down in Kentucky near Newport, Kentucky, oh. and. He's been he got the rock and roll bug ever since, so it's kind of cool that we can trade, you know, music with each other and say, hey, why don't you check this out? You know, do you check this out? And it's 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 you know, we, whenever we do road trips or we go somewhere, we always bring music into the car, and it's it's just a really cool thing. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's funny you mentioned Butch Walker. I, uh, um, we were doing our first record with. Uh, Paul Moak, 
Magic Valley and uh, Butch uh, and Paul are, are friends. They're both producers here in Nashville. And uh, Butch sent sent Paul a message saying, "Dude, I love Goodbye Jude. They sound like I think I don't know what he said. He said something like I thought he said early Queens Queens right or something. Really, like." Some some kind of off the wall '80s band, and then I went and listened to him. I'm like, well, really? Which things we sound like this? <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's my only Butch Walker story. So. <laughs> yeah, no, he was. Um, we we saw him. I mean, my son's going to be 15, so it's it's about 10 years ago. It was his first show. Uh, it was an all ages uh, concert down in Newport, Kentucky. The opening band was a band out of Wisconsin called Loxley. And we walked into the venue. It was an all-ages show. And Butch and the band took my son, you know, backstage and were, like, hanging out with him. And it was just, like, this cool experience. And he always looks back at that and saying, that was the moment that I got hooked on rock and roll. So it was it was pretty cool. And now he's, you know, he likes everything from you guys to Metallica to the Amazons, to Maiden. So he's, you know, he's all over the place, which is cool, which is how you should be, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. You raised them right. That's all I got to say about that. I mean, I think the wider net you cast on rock and roll, uh, especially if you're into good old-fashioned, honest rock and roll, I mean, it can be made, and if it's made right, it can be made in 2020, or it can be made in, you know, 1967, you know, and it's it's kind of... Uh, the good stuff is timeless. So it doesn't surprise me that your son is get you know, gets into the old stuff and gets into some of the newer, you know, rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the connection you can get from a music that stands the test of time, like you said, 1967, or if it connect connects with you as a teenager in 2019, 2020, it's such a, like you said, like you said, it's just, it's such a wide net and that's good that you're able to have that in your palate and to have that, have you experience all of it. A song that stands the test of time in 1967 can still connect with, you know, a young teenager, 14, 15 years old. And then that same teenager can find new music in 2019, 2020 that just, it connects with him in the same way. And I think that's the beauty of music and the yeah. beauty of rock music. Yeah. Yeah, again, if it's done, if it's just done honest, really, that's the only fundamental thing is if if, if there's uh, live people in the room uh, feeding off each other and doing it right, I mean, it, 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 you know, most of the time it turns out pretty timeless, you know, pretty, pretty real, and that people can connect to that. And that's, that's what we try to do, and that's what there's a, a lot of those bands you just mentioned. I mean, I think they're all doing that too. You know, they're 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 just getting in a room, trying to write the best songs they can, and trying to capture it in a real way uh, that translates through your headphones when you when you get to listen to it, and it translates it translates to a 15 year old who just discovered ZZ Top, and it's like holy crap! Oh, and then the next song that is on the playlist is Dirty Honey. And you listen to those two back to back, and it's like, oh yeah, this is this is the same amount of real, you know. It's the same amount of. Uh, I mean, it's obviously different and different flavors and different bands and and all that, but it's but it's real, and that's um, there's a handful of bands out there doing that now, and I'm really excited. I think Goodbye Tunes are part of that. Um, 
a part of that push again. I agree. And we're going to get into that. But before we do, we always start with the same question every time we have a first time guest, a new guest, and it is the essence of the show. And just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, a performance, an album, or a song that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? For me, I think it was, I was probably maybe a little younger than your son. I was probably 13 or 14. And my father was always into classic rock. And uh, that's the only radio station we ever played. And then he had all these old records. And, and um, But in particular, we were driving, he had an old Dodge truck. And we were going and doing something. I don't remember what we were doing. But um, Born on the Bayou by CCR came on. And for whatever, we cranked it up. We had the windows down. And it was that opening guitar line that is incredibly simple. Uh, it's just an E chord with tremolo on it. And at that moment, I said, I can, I can do that. I want to do that. And I was like, dad, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to, you know, buy a guitar, you know, or something, you know, I mean, and then it just, it, it goes, it rolls down the hill, you know? So, um, that was my moment and I'll give it to CCR born on the bayou. Now, when you heard that, CCR is one of the all-time American classic bands, one of the all-time classic bands in, you know, ever in music. I remember being in eighth grade, um, already exposed, already had my connection with rock music, but traveling in California with my uncle down to Palm Springs and him putting in CCR and hearing Born on the Bayou and Fortunate Son and you know, down on the corner and all that stuff. And, and, and the great thing about CCR was how they were able to paint a picture uh, and tell a story in their song, which was great at the time. And over time, that's kind of eroded where there's not a lot of artists that do that. How did you, how, in terms of CCR, in terms of how they influence it, how, where did it go from there with you wanting to pick up an instrument and play? Where was the connection with you wanting to write music? I think, so, so after that moment, you know, everything simmered, and I, I was working with my grandfather. We mowed, we mowed graveyards. So I was a you know a young boy and you know he just let me mow and he we did everything and and I was making pretty decent money you know I, was, I think he paid me eight ten bucks an hour or something and for for a thirteen year old that's that's pretty solid dough you know so um, so Dad told me he said we well, save up you know pick out which guitar you want you save up um, and I'll help you save up as much as you can over the summer and then I'll help you I'll help you with the rest. And, um, so from there I started listening. Once I, once I had this vision, I, I started, I started, uh, just listening and consuming more and paying more attention to guitars. And, um, and that led me to, uh, you know, ZZ Top. I became a huge fan of ZZ Top. I thought Billy Gibbons guitar tone, uh, and just got paid was, it, it's one of the, in my opinion, one of the best rock and roll moments 
besides maybe Eric Clapton in uh, um, in the live uh, cream that 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 live verse. Uh, sorry, that the cover. I don't know why I'm skipping on this. This is one of my favorite songs, but I think it's because I'm in an interview right now and I can't be a. Uh, um, Are you talking about the Green uh, Album? Are you talking about Waiting on the Bus or Jesus Just Left Chicago or? No, sorry, sorry, I jumped around there. I jumped around there. No, no, ZZ Top. Like I just got paid. That was the song, okay. and I said, I said that was one of the greatest rock and roll moments in my opinion. You know, a 15 year old's opinion, and then, uh, and I said maybe only rivaled with the uh cream when eric clapton did that solo live uh, crossroads crossroads yeah good lord I, that's like one of my favorite songs i don't know why i i miss that i thought those two moments were just incredible and so i started thinking around and um you know, realizing that guitar playing is very difficult and what those guys were doing was magical. So, uh, and, you know, that, that led me down. And then, um, you know, you, you just use the resources that you have at hand. And a lot of my other people that around me that played guitar, they either played gospel music or they played, I had a um, my older brother, had a guitar at one point and he played like a lot of Nirvana stuff, but I never really related to that as a kid, but I'd learn, you know, I'd learn it cause he knew it and he could teach me, you know, Metallica, Inner Sandman. He could teach me, uh, smells like King spirit, you know, all the, all those nineties, um, uh, guitar hero classics. So, um, and then I just, I just kept going, man. It's just something that never fell off, even though, um, you know, I had different interests. I was in the sports. I was, uh, you know, <laughs> taking girls, you know, like I always just, I'd always come home and play guitar. And at, at some point, I think it was, well, I mean, the, the real catalyst, my brother passed away in 2005. Uh, he was in the military. He was home on military leave. And uh, he got into a fatal car accident. And up until that moment, I thought I was just, you know, a music enthusiast. I was just a guitar enthusiast. That I was going to go have a real job. I was going to be an engineer or, um, you know, do something along those lines. And then when my brother passed away, there was such a sorrow and such a, like, so much grief and so many questions. I was brought up very, very religious. Um, and it shook my whole world up in the sense of, you know, what's, what's love, what's life, what are we doing here? Like what, why did my brother die? And that, that, that spot, it was a spiral for a while, but when I came out of it, I gained some perspective and I had always wanted to be, I'd always wanted to. I'd always love music. And I say, you know what? I'm going to be in a rock band with my cousins. And, um, the guys, uh, time Landon and Brandon, the lead, lead singer, goodbye June. And then Brandon, the other guitar player. And he, he also plays bass and, uh, drums. Like he just tends like sometimes on our recordings. And, um, uh, they had come up from my brother's funeral and they had stayed, they actually stayed with my family for quite a while, uh, about a month. 
Uh, Brandon got a part-time job and just lived with us because me and my parents were taking it so hard. And during that time, we started playing music all the time. And, you know, Landon and Brandon had said they always had wanted me to be in the band because I was I was uh, really into classic rock and blues and, like, I was doing lead guitar. And, you know, they were, they were playing more gospel music and... Um, they were really smart with music and they could play multiple instruments, but there was something that they, they just said they had kind of always wanted to play music with me. So during that time we started writing music and I think we wrote two or three songs and we played them for our family and, you know, played them for maybe some friends and stuff. And everybody's like, Hey, it's pretty good. Like you guys should do something. And, um, at some point it, it got to a point where it was like, what's your guys' band name? We're like, oh man, we don't know. And I think Brandon coined Goodbye June. He's like, well, let's name it Goodbye June because your brother passed in June and he's the reason why we all come together and he's the reason why you decide, you know, to chase this and, and he brought, you know, me, you and Landon together. Um, so we named Goodbye June after my brother and that time, it's more about that, that time, that June that he passed and that we spent that month together writing music. Uh, that's a, a a great a great story. You know how you know, you're mentioning like you know you're doing the what's you know what am I going to do? What's life going to be like? What a love and you know the question I had you know every time or any time something tragic happens is is the question what's next? You know where do you go from from that? How do you move on? And it's, it's a, it's very interesting that you and your cousins took that moment, you know, I mean, and, and we've all had tragedy and I can imagine the depths of mourning that you and your family were in, but to take that moment and connect with your cousins and have something like this come out of it. I've always heard the phrase and I'm a firm believer in out of something bad, something good always happens. And to have a band like Goodbye June not only release great music and continue on, but it's also a tribute and, and sort of a memorial to your brother as well. Yeah, that's and that's how we, that's how it was, I think it was part of the healing process, you know, and I think, you know, I maybe maybe next, next time we'll come on, I'll, I'll let, maybe Brandon and Lana come on and talk with you there. I'm, I'm not going to speak, tell their story, but they have a very interesting story too, where, um, they were even more involved in the Pentecostal church, uh, than I was. I mean, I was just, my, 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 my grandma took me, you know, every Sunday, you know, and I grew up in it and, um, I was immersed in it, but they were, they were every time the church doors was open, they were in choir, they were in their, both sets of their parents were either ministers or music ministers and they moved around because, you know, of, of, of going to different church or like evangelizing in different churches. And, um, that moment, I mean, they were always really, uh, you know, good Christian boys, you know, kind of, you know, and they, they just did, did what they were supposed to do. And I think my brother's death, jarred them too and and those same questions that i told you you know what what is life what is love what is what is what is god you know those kind of questions started creeping in their mind and they're like hey hang on a second like uh 
and and it started in it started an unraveling of years and years and years of being so immersed in a, a very niche culture that you know there's a lot of pain, man. Like a lot of lot of lot of onion layers that were getting peeled back for them. And I think Goodbye June was. I, I think us three having each other and writing music and experiencing, you know, the ups and downs of being in a band and trying to write music that connects with people, which is a very highly emotional um, thing that bands have to do when they when they write music and they're trying to be real and they're connecting with people. It's very very emotional, and um, like kind of all these things hitting uh, them and me. I was going through it. Grief and I was struggling with, you know, my own depression and my own stuff. But they were peeling back the layers of this life that they uh, were born into, and they ultimately decided that it wasn't for them, and that to peel away and separate themselves from that was extremely painful. You know, emotionally painful, and like literally, you know, getting calls from their family, you know, telling them you know, Hey, I'm praying for you. You know, you're calling, you know, different people saying they're backsliding, you know, from the Lord. And that's like the worst thing you can be called like in Pentecostal religion is a backslider. So, um, you know, it's that whole time, man, like, like 2005 to 2008, maybe 2009, uh, we moved to Nashville in 2009. Uh, so we had with this, this goodbye June thing had simmered. We had coined it. We were writing some songs. We were, uh, I think we recorded some demos at a jingle studio in Evansville, Indiana <laughs> for like cheap. It was like a couple hundred bucks. And, uh, you know, we played some shows when we could. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it was like, like, like pseudo Christian shows, like youth group shows. And, it was that kind of awkward phase from 2005 to 2009 when we we knew we were going to be in this rock band and we didn't know what it meant. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, but and we had all this like exterior painful stuff going on around us. And uh, but then 2009, we're like, hey, man, it's time. Let's move to Nashville. Let's leave. Let's leave. The, let's leave this former life behind us and let's move forward together. And we're moving to Nashville and we're going to give this thing a go. And I, I don't know, I don't know if we set a timeline on it, like let's give it five years. And, uh, man, it was, we moved down and I mean, we were so broke. <laughs> it was like, uh, oh man. Like, it was like, uh, you know, it, and again, you, you really need to have Landon Brandon on sometimes because they they have this really interesting story of where you know, um, you know, we didn't drink. You know, we were good Pentecostal Christian dudes. I mean, we didn't even grow out our hair. We didn't have mu- we didn't have mustaches. We didn't wear shorts. So you're going to hell if you're going to shorts. You, you didn't go to the movies, TV. Like you're going to hell if you watch all that stuff. So it's like for them to leave that life behind as, and there was adults man it was like Landon I think moved down he was in his early 20s maybe and then all of a sudden we're in Nashville we're completely independent of, of, of our former lives and it's like we talked about some wild times like we we just went 
ham for a little while with like alcohol and other things and just just it was the first time in life when it was like we can do whatever we want you know so then when we came out of that fog uh it was probably circa 2000 good lord 2014 maybe we got maybe we're still in the fog i don't know <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> but uh you know, 2000, you know, 2014 or 2013, I think we signed a, a publishing deal where we did a co-pub with um, a company here in town, which gave us the ability to become professional musicians full time. And and then from that, we grew in, you know, we got a manager. And from that, we ended up signing a major record deal with Interscope Records. And that's when Magic Valley came out. I'll stop talking. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> no, like, man. That was it's, like a brief. That was a brief history of Goodbye June, right there. <laughs> that I mean, that's a very, you know, interesting, you know, history and very. Um, I can I, I can only imagine being in the bubble that you guys were, you know, prior to your your brother's death, and coming out of that, and and, and it sounded like you were coming out of that bubble the same time you were mourning you know you mentioned all the questions that you had and then you know your cousins were kind of right there with them and everyone has their own healing process and I just had this conversation with with a friend of mine the other day like you know mourning is so up to the individual and how they mourn and how they how they process things and how they heal and you know you were mourning the loss of your brother with your family your cousins were mourning the loss of what they knew what life was like at the time. And it's almost like all three of you guys had like this rebirth coming out of it. And you chose the path and the journey to go down after that. And you guys did it, you know, together, you know, all for one, one for all. And that's, I mean, that is such a, a unique and compelling story, you know, how you guys developed your music. And I'm, I guess the question I have out of all that is, you know, the influences that I hear in your music, you know, whether it's ZZ Top, whether it's Aerosmith Zeppelin, you know, whoever it is, how did you develop all that, you know, and have that in your palate being in the bubble of the church and the religion that you were in? I mean, that that is that that is is what to me is so amazing that you guys were able to capture that while the mourning, while the healing, while the journey began you know, of a, of a new life, so to speak. Yeah, but, oh man. That's, yeah. Um, well, I, okay. So there was, I'm going to give a band. I'm going to, I want to be a little name dropper here. So sorry. Um, that's all right. So there was, there was a time. So Landon and Brandon spent a solid, I don't know, six or seven years, I think in Jackson, Tennessee. Right. Uh, well, actually, Henderson, Tennessee, but that's a little tiny town. There's a bigger town nearby called Jackson, Tennessee, which more people will know. So I just say that, you know, they spent a lot of time in Jackson, Tennessee, but it was actually Henderson, Tennessee. It's, it's West Tennessee. It's about an hour, hour and a half um, east of Memphis on, on, on Interstate 40. But anyway, um, so they were going to church. We submerged in there, and there was, they were buddies. They went to this tiny little school. I think there was a, the whole school, I think, had maybe 20, 30, 40 people in it, maybe. And it was this private Pentecostal school. 
that was connected to the church. And uh, they had a handful of buddies, but they, they had these buddies that were really into music. And, uh, you know, they had spent a lot of time with. And um, those guys went um, went off and they moved to Oklahoma because their, I think their parents got divorced. And uh, they started making records. And uh, Landon and Brandon always kept up with them because they were old old friends from their dinky little school, and they thought it was so cool that they were this rock and roll band making records. And so that band was King of Leon, like Caleb, Nathan, like Landon and Brandon. No, they, they grew up with all those guys. Uh, and they went to the same little dinky school, which is so bizarre that King of Leon came out of the school. And you know, I say I'm another rock band like us came out of that of that of that like 20 person Pentecostal school so um, that I think that was a big influence on Landon and Brandon um, you know the death of my brother haven't happened we hadn't joined forces yet but the fact that Kings of Leon went off and they made their first two records um, and Landon and Brandon bought it and listened to and I think that was important to them only in the sense of like, Hey, this, you know, these guys were in choir with me, but they're making this music that, you know, blues, Dixie rock and roll kind of, you know, this Bob Dylan, you know, kind of vibe. I think that planted a seed. Okay. So now flash forward after my, my brother's passing is I was, a, I was heavily influenced at the time, you know, blues, classic rock, and I think um, Landon and Brandon had heard that and then those seeds that were planted with their friends, you know, a long time ago. And, uh, you know, they were experiencing Led Zeppelin for the first time as adults, as in their early 20s. They had never really listened to all these great records, right? So a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get experienced as a kid you know, and then you, you grow and attach and go get emotional, get emotionally attached to, you know, your favorite classic rock band or whatever. Well, these guys were adults uh, when they were getting to experience Led Zeppelin for the first time, you know, living on their own in Nashville. And um, it was funny, we always say this, um, but my, my, one of my parents' favorite record was uh, Leon Russell, Will of the Wisps, who is, I'm a huge Leon Russell fan, incredible talent, never got never got what he deserved. Uh, but there was this one record called Will of the Wisps that I remembered listening to growing up that my parents would always play. And so I said, I said, hey mom, dad, can I borrow this record for a while? Landon and Brandon, I think they need to hear it, you know, like, will you let them borrow it for a while? They, they just have it, like, this is our gift to them. So, mom and dad gave them that record and they, they were out on Percy Priest Lake. They had a, they had a house out there with some buddies and, uh, you know, they said they, they, uh, smoked something and, uh, listen, put that record on. They said it like changed their life. They were like, this is, this is incredible. And so, so that, that's kind of, 
I was I was always in that in that classic rock world. I always respected that music and loved that music. But I think Landon and Brandon, when they really got on board, was when they were living out on the lake, listening to all these old records. And we had a drum kit and a couple guitar amps out there. And I'd drive out a couple times a week, and we 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 jam for two or three hours, you know. And uh, that's when uh, that melting pot started to happen because it was like, oh man, check out Leon Russell, man. He's on this like he's on this synthesizer, dude. And he just does this like he does this run all the way up. You know, he does it over 16 bars, man. He's like, that's so crazy. And then here comes the orchestra, and then he's got these soul singers behind him. And it's like, man, he's singing songs like down on the plantation. And like, it, it's like, it's so cool. It's like, and then from that excitement, there's excitement when you discover uh, something like that or something new that blows your mind. You know, it's like the first time a lot of kids, like some kids, like the first time they hear Jimi Hendrix is in college. And that's why everybody, like Jimi Hendrix, Bob Dylan, or Dave Matthews band, at least, at least, you know, 10, 15 years ago. You know, those were like three bands is like people discovered in college and it blew their minds, changed their lives. Because it's just so mind blowing, you know, those musicians, you know, pierced into a new dimension. So uh, that was kind of that moment for Landon and Brandon and and I got to just be a part of it. I got to be in the middle of it. I just got to be a sit there and just smile and watch these guys get to experience it the first time. Like I was kind of jealous, to be honest. Well, we talked. And then we get on the kit. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, we talked about, uh, you know, at the beginning of the episode about, you know, the connection with music. And a lot of that connection is because of the timing of when it happens, of what a person's going through, what a person's experiencing. I have to imagine them coming out, your cousins coming out of this, this church and, and then experiencing Led Zeppelin as, and, and that music that they, or Leon Russell or whoever it was, that music has to, every time they hear that, they have to feel like they have, they, they probably feel their rebirth of their, of their lives all over every time they hear it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, have to get them on and ask, them, but I, yeah, I mean, it it was special, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Get, getting into getting into your like kind of the questions of how did how did we mold all that stuff? I think I think it was because of that that specific time when Lane and Brand were experiencing all this stuff. We were going through everything, and we were away from home, and we were kind of this band of brothers out there, just just pushed forward not knowing having any idea what we were doing um i think that's 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 how we that's what goodbye june is so when you hear that when you you hear our records i hope everyone kind of feels that and they feel there's something special or weird or unique or you know these guys are a little different which i you know that's I don't know. We're, I think we're just writing music that we that we love to write, but uh, how you how, know we don't really have any control. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, how, how has how has your family been with you guys now that you know you guys are full time musicians? You guys do tour all over, but you know whether it's Europe, whether it's the states, wherever. How have they have they yeah. adjusted to you guys? Are they supportive, or is there still that yeah. that bridge that's you know? Um, 
you know, one side versus the other? No, I think they're warming up. They're warming up, and they're they're they were always kind. I mean, our families weren't. You know, it was, it was more the other the other people in the in the you know the other the other busybodies at you know the churches or the or whatever. The, those were the folks that you know love to to gossip and 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 uh, speculate. Our families were always very tolerant and loving and uh even though you know they didn't agree with what we were doing they they accepted it you know they didn't shun us you know we were still invited to christmas and thanksgiving you know um and they're definitely warmed up to it now because they realize it's it's a means to uh it's real you know i mean like i'm you know i'm paying a freaking mortgage you know off this career and i think before it was it was just a bunch of dumb kids that had to get a bunch they had to go sow their wild oats, you know, they had to go, uh, you know, they'll come back, you know, they just got to go bomb in Nashville for a while and then they'll come back here and, you know, everything will be back to normal. And, and it, that's not what happened. We came down here and stuff just kept growing and, um, we kept getting breaks, you know, we kept, we kept getting lucky, so to speak. And, um, and then now, you know, now they now they love it. Now it's funny as we have we have a bunch of families that come to our shows and long lost cousins, you know, will show up in, in Wichita, Kansas or, or London, England, you know, and it's just it's kind of it's cool. It's what I've always wanted. I've always wanted you know, everyone to feel included and not alienated, you know. And I I'm glad it's happening. I'm glad everyone's accepting it and and uh maybe feeling a part of it, you know? I think our families kind of feel a part of it now, which I think is is fun. And I have to imagine music, because of the relation that, that, that you guys have in the band, and now that, that, that relationship with music has extended to your family, it, it sounds to me music is such an important part of Goodbye June and the family that surrounds you. I mean, it's, it's, it basically is what ties everything together. Yeah, I mean, dude, we we had there was no there was no other option for Landon Brandon. I had an option. I mean, my parents never made me do anything I didn't want to do. So I just I got into music naturally. I got into music because I thought John Fogarty was was bad as the bone. You know, like I thought he was I thought he was cool. So I wanted to pick up a guitar and sound like John Fogarty, um, which never happened. <laughs> try as I might I yeah. never it's never happened it never happened yet but um, yeah Atlanta Brad they didn't have a choice man they were so submersed in music and it was it's in their DNA and it's all the way up I mean to their great grandparents like were uh, involved in music I mean their their grandparents made vinyl like they made LPs you can find I forgot what the band name is obviously it's, it's not like majorly distributed but um, I mean, there's got to be some antique stores in Southern Indiana, and where I mean, Landon and, Landon and Brandon's grandparents made vinyl. They made gospel uh, vinyls. You know, they're musicians. They traveled everywhere, all across the United States, playing uh, gospel shows. And so, I mean, dude, they didn't—they didn't have a choice, man. They were going to be musicians. It was in their blood. So let's get into the new album, uh, Community Inn. I I I will listen to it after this episode, and I promise you, I will 
hear it differently because of knowing your story now. It, it's just a remarkable one. But Community Inn came out last year. Uh, one of my favorite records of 2019. Talk about the writing process. What was that like? You know, how how is the writing process for Goodbye June? Is it someone comes up with an idea? Is there one main writer? Is it just a collaborative effort? How is that? How does that happen? Um, it it happens a lot of a lot of different ways uh, for us. We're so Goodbye June has three songwriters in the band, right? And we can all write a full song ourselves. Um, but we, we, we really tried to not do that because the magic of Goodbye June is letting the other two cousins kind of speak and take liberties into an idea that you've created. So um, it happens all ways. I mean, uh, sometimes one, one person, like Landon, he'll come with 75% of the song done. I mean, he'll have all the chords. And he, um, and he'll have the melody, and he'll have the the vibe, and then he'd be like, "Man, I don't know what to do with this, or, or I'm done. You guys take over. You finish it. This is it. Here's the chords. I got the vision. Just you guys finish it. You know. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes um, it's me, Landon, and Brandon. We we will write it a three piece. So I'll usually play guitar. Uh, Landon will be on the kit or Brandon will be on the kit and then, you know, Landon or Brandon will be on the bass and we'll just jam something out for a couple hours. So, um, and then from that, we all start spitting lyrics and, uh, you know, Landon typically always writes the melody because he has such a unique voice and approach. You know, it's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a singer like that. You know, I, I, I sing, if I sing, I sound like a, like Tom Petty, you know, or like some like like very like chill melodies, you know, like Landon, he's 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 up down in the valley and he's up on the mountain. I mean, he's got a wide range, so he writes a lot of the melodies. Um, and then lyrically, me and Landon contribute a lot, and Brandon will sometimes have a a line or a spirit or like a song title. Um, and then musically, we all jump in, and since everybody can kind of play everything. We, we try to keep nothing too sacred, meaning, um, you know, Tyler, I have to, I have to create the lead line or the counter melody, you know, in a verse, or I have to like, dude, if Landon's got something rad, he's got this rad guitar line, you know? And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Like I'll learn it, you know? Um, so it, it's a, we try to make it communal as possible. So, those are the two, two, the two ranges is that we, we write most of the song and bring it to the guys and, and we all try to finish it. Or we literally create something from the ground up together and everyone contributes to every part of, of everything. Those are the two, that's the pendulum that swings back and forth. So that's how we do it. Coming from Magic Valley in 2017, you had the EP Secrets in the Sunset in 18. How how does the band evolve from album to EP to album? How do you guys approach each project that you guys do? Mm. I mean, I, I don't want to get back into the history of Goodbye June, but um, I mean, the best way to answer that question is just kind of explain what happened with those records. Like, um, 
Magic Valley was us. That was us figuring out Goodbye June. That was um, a wide net. That was us being in Nashville for years writing songs. I think we wrote like a hundred songs. Magic Valley was us figuring out, hey, this is this is Goodbye June. This is what we want to show the world. This is we want to set it up on the front end. So you have a heavy, a really heavy hard rock song like Oh No, and then you have a beautiful, lonesome, poetic song like uh, Darling or Fear of Jesus. Uh, you know, we wanted to set up that wide of a net because one of our favorite bands was the Beatles, you know? So it's like, dude, the Beatles, I mean, good Lord, they, they, there was no rules. As soon as, as soon as uh, society caught up and fell in love with what they were doing, they were on to the next thing, you know? And I think a lot, that, that speaks to how great of artists they were, but, but we wanted to set up a wide net on Magic Valley. So in my mind, Magic Valley was us learning what Goodbye June is. Then there was an EP, right, called Secrets in the Sunset, and that was the beginnings of Community Inn. And what had happened was we we signed a record deal, we released Magic Valley, about a year and a half elapsed, um, and we were, uh, the label, our management, nobody was happy with anything. We, we left uh, Interscope, and the day we left, we were like, guys, we have to stop music immediately. Like, we have to put something out to let our fans know, to let Nashville know, to let everyone know we're not going anywhere and that we're here to stay. And so Secrets and Sunset EP was, our backs were a little bit against the wall, you know? Like, our, we, we uh, you know, had kind of got a black eye, so to speak. And um, there was a dude that we had co-written a song with we co-wrote Secrets in the Sunset with him. His name was Bobby Huff, and he's a producer here in town and a rock lover, just a great spirit. Um, Is that the guy from Giants? You know, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think. okay, so well, it's Dan funny, Huff, I right? actually listen to your podcast. Yeah, Dan Huff, Bobby Huff is Dan's cousin, okay. and and Dan was the, Dan was the guitar player in Giants. I think Bobby was the drummer. Yes, I think so too, yeah. Yeah, so Bob is Bobby Huff is Dan Huff's cousin, and uh, he was you know he's he's a writer here in town and he's on a publishing company that does a wide range of like stuff. But he he's a rock lover. He's always a love rock. Obviously, he was in the band Giant, which is shred shredtastic. Um, so Bobby, I was calling I was calling kind of our musical confidants and getting some advice of uh, different people that I trust here in Nashville and just being like, yo, you know, what, what would you do? Blah, blah, blah. And I was calling, I was talking to Bobby because I know he has had a lot of experience in bands and uh, on the business side of music as well. And Bobby's like, dude, he's like, I got you. He's like, he's like, let's, let's set something up. Like, we're, we're set. Like, we're just going to hang out. Maybe we'll write songs. Maybe we'll just sit and talk. So we, we book a studio and we go in and we just sit and talking and writing. And we end up writing songs, and he's like, dude, I got you. He's like, let's do an EP. And I said, well, man, you know what? You know, we're kind of, like I said, we kind of got a black eye right now. Our back's kind of not against the wall by any means, but we're, we're figuring out where we want to go. And he's like, dude, he's like, I got you. He's like, let's do an EP. I'm like, okay. And he, he was so enthusiastic and 
so positive and so, so you know, you, you know, heeded the call that he, 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 we, we went with it. We're like, yeah, okay, let's just roll, man. I mean, we set, we have found in this business when, when opportunity, you know, basically stands up and yells, yells at you in your face, like you just roll with it. And that's how we've gotten where we've gotten. It's just, we just kind of rolled with, we've always rolled punches. So, so Bobby stood up and he was like, Hey, let's do the CP. And we did that EP and it, it was cool. I had, um, Joan and Dylan and it had, uh, uh, Secrets in the Sunset on it. And, uh, and some of those songs made it between the end. And, um, uh, what happened when we were looking at community and like, okay, well, what do we want to do for this next record? And Bobby, we had written another song or two with Bobby and, uh, he's like, man, he's like, you guys want to do a record? He's like, let me know. So we just, we just ended up going with our gut and we're like, Hey Bobby, let's do a record. And we ended up doing community in with Bobby. So, um, the approaches were, we didn't really have this, this different approach or mindset. All we knew is that we didn't, we didn't have an A&R. We didn't have a big machine behind us anymore for community in, and, uh, we could do whatever we want. So community in, I think, so you had magic Valley and there was ups and emotional ups and downs with that record. And there was excitement and there was, there was frustration with it because we were on a major label that didn't, I don't know if they knew what to do with this or not. I mean, that's, that's a whole nother podcast, but so and then we transitioned to the community in where we had total freedom, you know, it was almost like we could do whatever we want. So I think community in was this answer of freedom. And it was like, we let's put whatever we want to put on this record, whatever's speaking to us. There's no A&R guy. There's no one to impress. There's no one. All, the only people we are accountable to is our is ourselves and our fans. So, Community Inn had that had a freedom to it. And what's funny, a little known fact is that uh, there's three songs on Community Inn that was written before Magic Valley: "Rolling Off the Tongue," "Universal Mega Love," and "Free Child" were written before Magic Valley. And those were three songs that we loved. We had always loved, and uh, it never connected with Interscope or um, the major label or or anyone really. Um, they were like, Dude, we're, "We're putting those songs on this next record." Those and are all great songs. Some of my favorites. Yeah, thanks, man. My dude, Free Child, my jam, dude. I love that song. I don't mind saying it. I know it's mine, but I, that's <laughs> one of my favorites. Um, so you know, the, the approach approach is the same. It's been the same the whole time. It's uh, just with communion, we had complete freedom. I think that, you know, the next record cycle looking forward, I think uh, it's going to be different from both of them. I think, I think now we're settled in and we forged this path and we've toured the world and we've opened for future legends. We've opened for living legends. We've, we've headlined our own shows. We've, we've, sold out shows in, in Europe. I mean, we've learned a lot and I think that's what we're starting to do is write music for the next record now. And I think that's, uh, where we're going is going to be, 
don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, that's where we're going. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. Well, <laughs> you know, I've often said too, right? I mean, everybody chases that big record deal. And throughout the years of me being a music fan, I always see, you know, there's some bands that are able to punch through with a major record, you know, deal and be successful and be gigantic, right? But there's also something to be said for the freedom to do what you want and the freedom to, you know, explore, you know, your, your, your musical journey in the way that you should. And now with the way music is, you have, you have outlets like Eric Records, right? And you have other labels like that that, are, that really kind of allow the artists to do what they want to do. And I think that's great. I think that's awesome. I mean, Blackberry Smoke is a band that you and I talked about before the interview. They're not on a major record label. And they write and produce some of the greatest songs, you know, over the last decade, decade and a half. And they do it with artistic freedom and music freedom. And if there's one band that is kind of like the example of what you can do when you have that freedom, I would say, you know, it's Blackberry Smoke. And it's 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 such a testament to them that, that people say, oh, they should be on a major, major record label. They don't need to. No, no. Dude, Nashville is lined with the dead bodies of of young bands who've been killed by major labels. I mean, dude, it's, uh, that being said, okay. So, so before, like I have lots of friends that work for major labels and I respect major labels. I, I am in awe of their power. I'm in awe of their muscle. Uh, if they want something to get done, they can, but, but a lot of times they're, they're kind of these bloated, um, uh, bureaucracies of ego and there's there's a lot of ego in in um in major labels but there's there's a lot of great people at major labels too i know a lot of them i hang out with some of them i mean like i'm i'm not i I, i'm not uh swearing off goodbye june might end up being on a major label again one day but what what i wish if i could turn back time like i i would much rather have worked with a a, um, a a record label like Inter or sorry a, a record label like Earache who gave gives you freedom gives you time to grow uh, heavy emphasis on touring um, and just very supportive to young artists like they were it was wonderful I, I would have rather flipped it I wish I wish instead of becoming a little jaded from getting screwed over by a major and then going down to this complete freedom and support, I wish it, it probably should have grown the other way, which is what happened exactly what happened to rival Sun. They started at earache and they put, they put out four or five records. I think with total freedom, total support. Um, you know, I mean, every label has their pitfalls. Every label is going to be frustrating at some point in your career, but like those guys started earache and that now they're on, uh, I think they're on Atlantic Records. Yeah, or they're Atlantic. on Electro Records, maybe. I think it's yeah, Atlantic. Atlantic. Yeah. And yeah, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, they grew their their audience naturally, and they have this army of people that love them. And then all of a sudden, now they have they have the muscle of a major behind them, and 
Bible sons ain't going away. I'm going to tell you that right now. Like they're going to continue. A lot of people are just discovering feral roots, which is a shame because their whole catalog is incredible. But, you know, a lot of people like my, my buddy who just listens to active rock radio called me and he's like, dude, have you ever heard of rival sons? I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Ch-. I was like, dude, check out their first EP. Uh, and, and, he listened to it, he's like, Oh my god, that EP was incredible. Like torture was on it, you know, that oh, that's a great song. torture. Yeah. Just just rad, dude. Like I could not imagine listening to that first time, like when it came out. Like and then he got in the whole cali like, dude, where have these guys been at? I was like, dude, they've been on an indie label, dude. Like that's like that's where Goodbye June's at right now. Like we're on an indie. We're on that we're on that road of like uh touring. We gotta be tour dogs, which uh, it looks like that's going to be happening in 2020. So, well, that's my next question. What is in store for for Goodbye June in 2020? So right now, um, I'm I'm off until um, the third week of January, and then we start we start going. So we have like this. It's called Shiprock. We're doing this cruise, which is terrifying to me because I'm wildly motion sickness, like a crazy motion sickness. So I don't know how I'm going to deal with that, but, uh, we're doing ship rock, which is with a bunch of our buddies, like bad flower and Hailstorm. Like, like it's going to be a party. It's going to be so much fun, but, um, we're doing that in February. And then, uh, we're kind of out either a headlining run in the spring or there's a couple major bands that we might be opening for in the spring. We'll see. We're trying to work everything. We're trying to work out money, if you want to be honest. Um, and then we have a bunch of major festivals in May, like the Wimmer Festivals, which is like, uh, I think like Rocklahoma and um, all the big, a bunch of big festivals. I think, we have, I think we have at least four of them, maybe four to seven of them. And then we go to Europe and do a headlining slash festival run. I think we're doing like I think like Random Man and some really, really cool festivals in the UK. I'm super excited about that. And then, um, then we'll probably maybe take a couple weeks off, three, four weeks in, uh, summer, late summer and, uh, really try to put together a third record, uh, probably try to demo it out maybe. And then in the fall where our goal is to do a headlining tour through Europe, like a proper one. Uh, hit all the markets, and uh, the first one we did uh, a couple months ago was fantastic. So we're going to go back and try to hit it again, and then uh, that takes us up to fall. So that's what we got going on. Well, hopefully you make a stop in Chicago during your travels this year. I hope so, man. Chicago was one of our first first decent crowds, man. Like – Back when we were nests, I mean, we we had like I think we had 50, 50, 50 or sixty people in Chicago show up when we had nothing going. It's the full Magic Valley, like, and I was really impressed with that. So yeah, dude, we love Chicago. What uh, what venue did you guys play at? Do you remember? Dude, I don't remember, man. I'll, if I find it, I'll text it to you. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't remember. It was a little club. I remember being on the second floor, and then I remember the green room having this weird spiral staircase that goes down to the stage. Like you literally have a spiral staircase from your green room to the stage, which I thought was super bizarre and actually kind of cool. So we all like, which what's, what's, 
what's hilarious about that is you're having a couple beers, loosen up the show, getting your mind right, whatever. And, and typically you walk out on a dark stage, right? So there's this tight little rickety spiral staircase. And we didn't think about that. So we're, you know, we're feeling good going down, getting on stage and it's pitch black down there. So we look like a bunch of just idiots trying to get down this rickety old uh, spiral staircase, you know, for our first big show, show in Chicago. It's pretty hilarious. Well, I look forward to your visit back. I know uh, I will definitely be there and, and, and in support of you guys. I love the new record, love the new music, love the path that you guys are taking and what you guys are doing. Uh, and again, I appreciate you doing this this uh, this interview here on the New Music Spotlight. Yeah, man. Any anytime, Jay. Man, I'm, I'm into what you're doing, and I think I think you're uh, I think you're doing it right. So uh, anything we can do to help, man, and hope hope to see you at a show. Sounds great. You got it. You got it. Well, once again, everybody, that is Tyler Baker. That is from from Goodbye June, from Nashville, Tennessee. Go out and get the new record, Community In. Go see him on their tour this coming year in the 2020, whether it's at a festival or whether it's at a club, wherever it is. Once again, thank you very much for listening. This is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.